welcome to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. This podcast is devoted to helping increase your daily exposure to God's Word with a short scripture reading and brief commentary on key ideas, themes, and theology in each chapter. Now please join your host, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Well, welcome back to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. My name is Dave, and today is January 20th, and we're going to look at Genesis 20. As a reminder, every day I read from a chapter of the Bible, and I give key ideas, themes, and then the theology very briefly in that chapter. Uh, My goal for this show is to get you into God's Word for about 5 to 20 minutes every day. And you know what? Most days I'm successful, and some days we go 30 minutes. So uh, let's get into our reading of God's Word from Genesis 20. Hear what Genesis 20 has to say to us now. From there, Abraham journeyed towards the territory of the Negeb and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, and so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands I have done this. And then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. And so Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. And then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, through, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is a kindness you must do to me at every place to which we come. Say of me, he is my brother." And then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham, and she returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone you are vindicated. And then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So in this chapter, what we see is Abimelech takes Sarah into his into his family. And Abimelech's action placed in jeopardy the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that Sarah will bear him a son. 
closely resembling the earlier taking of Sarah by Pharaoh in Genesis 12, 10 through 20. This account presupposes the reader's knowledge of that event. Verse 1. No specific reason is given for Abraham's relocation to Gerar in the northern Negev. Abraham and Sarah are unknown in the inhabitant to the inhabitants of that region. Verse 2. She is my sister. Now this comment it presupposes that the reader is familiar with Genesis 12:11 through 13 which explains the rationale behind Abraham's words. Evidently, Sarah looked much younger than her real age. Abimelech, king of Gerar. Now, Abimelech means my father is king, and it appears to have been a common royal name. The same name is mentioned in Genesis uh, 26 and is given to later biblical figures. Verses 3 through 6. But God came to Abimelech. Now, the Lord intervenes to ensure that Abimelech does not touch Sarah. In contrast to Genesis 12:10 through 20, Uh, This episode emphasizes in a variety of ways the important point that that Sarah has not had intercourse with the king. Otherwise, Abimelech could be the father of the the son born to Sarah in 21, 1-3. Now, in a dream by night, uh, throughout Genesis, dreams are often uh, used as a medium of divine revelation. Verse 7, Abraham is the first person in the Bible to be designated a prophet. Now, in this context, attention is drawn to his ability to intercede on behalf of others. And one of the characteristics of a great prophet is one of the great characteristics of a prophet in Jeremiah 15.1. Verse 9, Abimelech rightly challenges Abraham for deceiving him about the status of Sarah, his wife. And the term great sin is sometimes denote adultery. Verse 11, there is no fear of God at all in this place. So Abraham's response betrays both his lack of faith in God and his misjudgment of the people of Gerar. Now, this whole episode reveals that the king and his servants were God-fearing. Verses 12 through 13. Besides, she is indeed my sister. Now, Abraham's explanation, it's a half-truth, but it still doesn't excuse his behavior. At every place to which we come, Abraham regularly resorted to uh, this wife's sister ruse of it for his own self-protection. Genesis 12 and 20 reveal that it always that it did not always work. Only God's intervention protects Abraham's relationship with Sarah, a point that should not be lost uh, to readers of this uh, chapter. Now, verses 14 through 16. Abimelech's generosity on top of his innocence contrasts sharply with Abraham's self-serving deception regarding the truth about Sarah. The king's actions are a very public affirmation that he has not acted inappropriately towards Sarah, and thus he is not the father of any of the children that she might have. Verses 17 through 18. The healing of Abimelech and the restoration of his wife and female slaves so that they may once again have children underlines God's power over fertility. By noting that these things are restored, the narrator prepares the way for the birth of Isaac in Genesis 21. And by observing that Abraham prays, the narrative picks up on the theme of God's blessing mediated through Abraham. Now, just as Abraham once deceived Pharaoh and passed Sarah off as his sister only, not his wife in Genesis 12, 10 through 13, so he does when he meets the ruler of Gerar, as we're talking about in Genesis 20. 
Abimelech, the regent, introduced today in verse 2 of our chapter, takes Sarah for his wife like Pharaoh did earlier in Genesis 12, 15. And the remainder of the chapter 20, it narrates the consequences of this marriage. And we're going to notice first that Abimelech means my father is king and is more likely a title than a sovereign's personal name. Uh, Abimelech is a name other kings in that region used during this time period, further demonstrating that Genesis was written during this time. And so soon after Abimelech takes Sarah, the Lord appears to him in a dream and threatens to kill him for taking another man's wife in verse 3. Abimelech protests, asking if God would indeed punish an innocent people in verse 4, and he understands that he represented his subject before the Creator and that his guilt was linked to theirs. Most later kings of Israel, they never learned this uh, lesson, according to 2 Kings 21, 10-18. Now, Abimelech's reference to an innocent people, this is an appeal to God's justice. It recalls Abraham's plea in Genesis 18:23. Uh, the king emphasizes his own integrity and questions whether Yahweh would ju- be just to condemn. And clearly he trusts God will act according to his justice and relent. Now, the innocence uh, Abimelech claims for himself is relative. It is not a claim of perfection. In other words, he is speaking of his general overall, although imperfect, conformity to moral norms. And while such holiness cannot merit entrance into the Lord's kingdom, it is still real and acknowledged by God. Now, many biblical writers, they, they claim their own righteousness in prayer and are not condemned for doing so, like in Psalm 18. Now, the Lord agrees with Abimelech's uh, assessment of his innocence, showing us the king is in the right. Uh, God also tells Abimelech that he has kept the ruler from greater sin because of his innocence in verse 6, helping us see that the Lord guards the way of those who live righteously, as we see in Psalm 106, verse 3, and Proverbs 2, 6-8. Now, in Psalm 23, 3, David tells us that the Lord leads his people in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, if we belong to God and give evidence of this through our mortification, our putting of sin to death, and holy living, then he's going to protect us from falling. Do you feel today as if you're having trouble loving him and doing his will today? It may be because you're not practicing righteousness. And so endeavor today by the grace of God through your union with Christ to live in holiness and he will guard your way. Now, as we might expect from a divinely inspired book, the stories in Genesis have proven to be very rich, providing many applications in in addition to the main point that each of them conveys. This is readily apparent in the story that we're considering today of Abraham and Abimelech, where so far we've seen how this encounter, it teaches the people of God about the behavior of righteous kings, of guilt and innocence, and the presence of godly citizens in Canaan. And one final secondary application of this story is related to the purity of marriage. And so when we read of this meeting between Abraham and the king of Gerir, we're to to see that to take another person's spouse is a life or death issue and that the Lord will not tolerate it even if it's done in ignorance. And the threat of death hovered over Abimelech until he obeyed God and returned Sarah to her husband, as we see in verse 7 and verses 14 through 18. 
Uh, but this encounter, it also shows us that when human beings put their marriages at risk, restoration can come uh, when they make restitution and pray to the Lord. In fact, what we see is Abimelech's integrity, it shows forth throughout the chapter when he does return Sarah to Abraham. Moreover, he goes the extra mile. He makes amends by giving the patriarch increased wealth for any wrong he has done, even though he never slept with Sarah in verses 15 through 16. His generosity is especially plain in that the average wage paid to workers in the ancient Near East was half a silver shekel a month, but Abimelech gives Abraham 2,000 times this amount in verse 16. In fact, the main point of this entire episode, it takes us back to the grace of God and his commitment to Abraham and Sarah. With Sarah a part of the king's harem, there is a danger that the promised heir would be illegitimate, fathered by Abimelech and not Abraham. And yet Yahweh intervenes, preventing a sexual union between the king and Abraham's wife, thus making it plain that the patriarch is Isaac's father. And despite Abraham's deceptive attempt at self-preservation, Yahweh remains watchful over him, making his promise to have the patriarch bless the nations, as we saw in Genesis 12, 1-3, come true by healing Abimelech's household on account of Abraham's intercession, as we see in verses 17-18 through 18 of this chapter. And when God rescued the Israelites from slavery and commanded them to possess the promised land, he knew that his people would be afraid of the mighty Canaanites. In fact, most of these are sent to spy on the land before the invasion uh, believed the covenant community could not conquer its uh, pagan inhabitants in Numbers 13 through 14. So the Lord ordered history to show his people that he would protect them in Canaan. The barrier God put between Abimelech and Sarah in uh, Genesis 26, uh, long before Moses' day, taught the Israelites that Yahweh would watch over them just as he protected Abraham's wife. And, And this story of Abraham and Abimelech also taught Israel that not all of the promised land's citizens were as thoroughly wicked as the Sodomites. Indeed, there were men like Abimelech who feared the Lord and were therefore concerned to do the right thing. In fact, his, Abimelech's, noble character is exemplified in verses 5 through 6, where God confirms the king's ignorance of Abraham and Sarah's relationship. And so Genesis 20, it manifests Abimelech's righteous disposition. And when he obeys God's command to return Sarah to Abraham in verse 7, Abimelech again worries that his subject will suffer because of his sin in verse 9. The kings of Israel were also to show such care for their people in Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, we see. And furthermore, Abimelech again admits some guilt in the matter in verse 9 of Genesis 20, revealing his knowledge that ignorance of wrongdoing does not eliminate culpability altogether, as we see in Numbers 15, 22 through 29. In fact, in reading uh, this Canaanite king who feared the Lord, the nation of Israel was to realize God's command to drive out all citizens of the promised land was not absolute as we see in Numbers 33, 50-56. Those Canaanites who would worship Yahweh and join his people could remain in the land. This is most evident in the story of Rahab that we're going to see in Joshua 2 and Joshua 6, 22-25. And as before, when he lied to Pharaoh in Egypt in Genesis uh, 12, 10 through 20, Abraham showed himself to be an imperfect hero. 
He does not tell the whole story and is shown how he was foolish to assume no fear of God existed in Abimelech's kingdom. In fact, the Lord's grace was clear in his choice to use the patriarch to accomplish his plans in verse 7. Today, in his mercy, God still uses flawed saints. John Calvin astutely comments on what this tells us about our need to pray for our leaders. You see, because the sin of the king can also be easily imitated by the people, we must therefore earnestly beseech God, Calvin says, to govern by his spirit those whom he has placed in authority over us, and then to preserve our country exempt and pure from all iniquity. So let me ask you a question as we conclude today. Do you regularly pray for your local and your national leaders? Well, please pray that they would rule in wisdom and in righteousness. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave. My name is Dave. Today is January 20th, and we've looked at uh, Genesis 20. Until tomorrow, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, or follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, X, or YouTube. We appreciate your support.